We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Wednesday night after the Wolves lost at Target Center to the Phoenix Suns by nine. Final score Wolves 116, Suns 125. That's two losses in a row for the Wolves, including the Dallas loss on Monday. And while this team is very much not in the market for moral victories right now, I will say I do think this was a better loss than the Dallas game in that it didn't feel like a game the Wolves blew necessarily, but instead a game kind of where the Suns just beat them. I don't know if that's the technical definition of a moral victory, but I just feel like that Dallas game felt winnable. I left the Mavs loss thinking that the Wolves could have done more. They they made the right adjustments in that game, right? They just made those adjustments too late. I think if you add another five minutes onto that Dallas game, the Wolves win it. That's a, I view that game as a missed opportunity. Tonight, I didn't feel like it was a missed opportunity. Again, it just kind of felt like the Suns eventually beat them. They out-executed the Wolves down the stretch. Booker took over in the fourth. He had 11 huge fourth-quarter points. Aiton also had 11 of his 35 points in the fourth. And Landry Shamit attacked on 10 in the fourth, too. But the Wolves did show, again, that they can at least play with the Suns team and really... That's the third time this year the Wolves have played with the Suns. Like, yes, 0-3 against them this year. That's what will go down. But it was it has been three games that they were in. In November, they lost to Phoenix by three. In January, they lost in a game that they were very much in until the, until the end. But they lost that one by 10. And tonight, they were winning most of the night and lost by nine. I think the Wolves have shown they can play with the Suns, the Suns team, for three and a half quarters. It's just been like this every game it's late game execution where the suns who we should say like the suns are the best fourth quarter team in the nba like that's where they beat that's where they beat them they have the wolves number in late game execution they just they just pick you apart in the fourth quarter you know with booker running the show Aiton in the middle and tonight shamit spotting up to shoot around him like the wolves or phoenix broke down the wolves high wall defense they just spread them out with booker hit Aiton on the roll and found Shaman in the corner after the defense collapsed on Aiton. That was the story. That's how Anthony Edwards put it tonight after tonight's game. Ant, it seems like you're frustrated right now. Um, is there 
is that is that a product of of this game of of recently where where are you just at in your head right now um i mean we're just losing at the end we're not executing um and our defense just getting destroyed um i think we got to make adjustments you have been switching the defenses back and forth over over time do you feel it's too many different defenses i just think when they adjust we got to adjust like they did in the fourth like the high wall, they would drag it out, hit the dude, the roller, and have a cutter and have a dude in the corner. So we got to pick one. And we just never adjusted. This time of year, the caliber of opponents that you're you're playing, you know, might see some of these guys again in the playoffs. Yep. Anything that you that you guys have learned, uh, whether it be those adjustments that you need to make in the fourth quarter of these tight games like you've had that you can maybe take with you going forward here? Um no, not really. I just – we just get outplayed in the fourth, like late in the fourth. Um, they execute uh, more than us, get way better shots than us. And like I said, they just – once they see what our defense is, we do it over and over again. They just pick it apart. Finch was saying he thought, you know, the team kind of got its head down after they made a run at you. Did you feel that at all? Uh, nah, not, guys? Um, not, that I, not that I know of. I, I don't think so. I just think we couldn't get no stops. Defensively, I think that was the main thing. We we didn't get no stops in the fourth quarter. Do you think that they knew what you guys were doing defensively? Yeah. So, therefore? Whole first half, I guess they was just like, all right, we just going to let them think it worked, let them think it worked. And fourth quarter, they just drug it out, hit the roller, got somebody cutting and put Shamit in the corner. So, now in our defenses, we take with the cutter away and leave the corner and we got to rotate and Shaman shoot too good to do that rotation. One thing that's becoming pretty clear talking to the players and coaches this week at practice before the games and that sort of thing is they're becoming a little frustrated with their defense. I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, just more of like kind of feel like they're running into walls. Like these these good teams they've started playing are are more so exposing the fact that the Wolves don't have multiple defensive schemes that they can effectively execute. You know, adding that switching package to the defense has been an adventure, not a great adventure. And then when they're dropping the big like they did against Dallas the other night, that hasn't really been effective. And now we're seeing like even Old Faithful, that high wall, like that's been letting them down sometimes too, as Ant was just talking about there. And I think it's really demoralizing for this group when the opponent can even break down the high wall. I think back even way back to that Atlanta game earlier in the season where the Wolves are running their best defense against them and Trey Young's just picking apart. That's what I'm talking about with demoralizing. Demoralizing because that's the one defense the Wolves can usually bank on. I mean, the hope is to be able to run the high wall as much as you can and then, you know, situationally mix in some switching, mix in some dropping. But when the high wall isn't working, it's demoralizing because that all but eliminates the possibility of being able to run multiple coverages effectively. And when you're playing a good team like a Dallas or like a Phoenix, that's kind of a prerequisite for a win. We're just getting to kind of a weird place with this defense. When I kind of think on the season as a whole, like there's two ways to look at it, right? On one hand, you know, beggars can't be choosers. They're going to finish the season with an above average defense, which is, of course, for this franchise, a major win. But at the same time, there's something a little underwhelming about this 
group's ability to guard. There's, I mean, there are still a couple weeks left in the season in the playoffs, but it's very much starting to feel like, at least to me, that whenever this season does end and we move into off-season mode, that I think we're going to be talking most about how they can how they can improve the defensive personnel of this group for next season. I mean, all three of Cat, Ant, and D'Lo have exceeded everyone's expectations defensively this year on an individual basis. But at the same time, that side of the ball isn't any of their strengths. They can have exceeded expectations defensively and still not be great defenders. Just using defensive effective plus minus, those three, Anthony Edwards grades out as an 80 80th percentile defender Towns grades out as a 57th percentile defender this season and Russell's 25th percentile and if that's the core of your team that's fine you just better have those guys flanked right by good defenders if you really want to compete as a contender and in in Vanderbilt in Beverly in McDaniels like they do have some of that but I don't know (laughs) My feeling is it feels like they need more on that end. Right now, it feels like they have enough to be a 45-win team, but if the Wolves are going to you know, build on this season, however it does end, and you know, if they have aspirations of being a 50-plus win team next year, I think that will be a product of defensive improvement. Right now, to win, they're just they're just a little too reliant on the offense and their ability to outscore the opponent with Cat and Ant and D'Lo. And in tonight's game, we definitely didn't get that at all. You know, only 19 points for Ant, 15 for Cat, and only 6 for D'Lo. They just can't afford to have all three of them under 20 points and expect to win a game. And with Cat, it's only a 15-point game because, you know, when they're loading up on him, doubling him, he just is going to decide to be a passer. He says it every time. Like, I'm going to make the right play. And that's just... That's just how that goes. And with D'Lo, you know, only scoring six, like that's obviously somewhat of an outlier, but it's not a massive outlier. About once in every six games this season, D'Lo has has a single-digit scoring performance where he shoots under 50% from the field. And this was the he's played 59 games now this season. This was the ninth time this year that D'Lo has scored in single digits. It was also the 43rd time in 59 games that he shot under 50% from the field. That's also just kind of how that one goes. Sometimes, sometimes D'Lo doesn't help. The Ant one, though, is a bit more mysterious, right? Like, and he had the he had the best scoring night of the three of them. He had 19 tonight. But it wasn't a great game. He was three of eight from three, four of nine from two, and they they needed more from Ant. And it felt like he was very close to delivering that more. He missed four layups in the restricted area tonight. And even if three of those four go in, this might be a different game. But Edwards did miss four of those layups in the restricted area, and that hurt. And it also continues a trend for Ant of his finishing being way down. I know what I know a lot of you are thinking right now, well, you know, that's just about his knee not being a hundred percent, but it is worth mentioning that Ant, including tonight, has repeatedly said that he's back to 100 percent And even if you want to dismiss that as ant talk, sure, but I would then I would then bring you this clip from Chris Finch that definitely does not echo echo that sentiment. Here's Finch after tonight's game. 
And do you think um, just what he's trying to do around the rim, he just had an off night on that? Or do you think he was just trying to be a little too fine threading the needle there with so many of those plays? I mean, I think he's just being too cute at the rim. He hasn't finished well for a number of games now. Um, you know, I'd like to see him go in there and dunk it. He doesn't get enough half-court dunks in my my mind. He gets a lot of open-court dunks, but not enough in the half-court. So, And you don't think that's physical? Uh, I don't know. In his knees or anything? Um, I, I don't know. You'll have to ask him. I don't you know. He seems to be there, you know, in the vicinity to be able to dunk or finish stronger. I really like that perspective from Finch, and I actually agree with it because – you know, if we operate under the assumption that the Wolves medical staff has the best interests at heart for Ant, then we should feel confident that he's healthy enough to not only be playing, but also producing. And the production has not been there, at least not consistently. So I think if those are the variables we have to assess, I don't know how we don't come to the conclusion that Ant isn't meeting expectations right now. And it's okay if a player isn't meeting all expectations. I mean, I get it with Ant. Like, he's super likable. He's great. I, I, I share that opinion. So I'm I'm with you in the feeling that it's harder to hold him accountable, but I think it would be wrong not to hold him accountable for this. I, you know, I'll say for me, you listen to this, like, I come on here all the time and talk about Cat, who's having an all-NBA season, and talk about, you know, the things that he's not doing. So it would be unfair for me to do that and to not hold Edwards accountable for what he's not doing right now. And I understand Ant is dealing with something in his knee, but in my opinion, and it sounds like in Finch's opinion, whatever is going on with Ant's knee does not absolve him from the accountability that I think is due right now. Ant has great flashes every game on both sides of the ball, but those flashes are anything but consistent, again, on both sides of the ball. Honestly, I... I don't know if this sounds harsh. Maybe it is harsh to be holding a 20-year-old accountable who is dealing with his first real, like, physical ailment of his career. I, I don't know. But what I do know is Ant, his inconsistency is costing this team right now. And we should at least acknowledge that. In addition to acknowledge, <laughs> acknowledging all the other great things about who he is as a person and who he is as a player. All right, let's mix in a quick break here. Still have plenty else to get to from tonight's game. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh, and with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip steps to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. My personal biggest takeaway from using HelloFresh is two things. I'm eating healthier and fresher foods, and I'm saving time in the food prep process by not needing to go to the grocery store. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen, so you can spend that time elsewhere with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, quick and easy meals, including 20-minute recipes and low prep and easy cleanup options, provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save, on average, over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put towards other things in 2022. Go to HelloFresh.com slash more16. That's more16. Use code more16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash more16. And use code more16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' nine-point loss to Phoenix on Wednesday. I think another big thing, or maybe things to hit on from this one, is what happened in the front court tonight. I mentioned earlier DeAndre Ayton had 35 points in this game, but he also had seven offensive rebounds. So the old rebounding problems resurfaced again tonight. And I understand the uh, <laughs> you would maybe think the blame there goes on Cat. Um because he's the center, Aiton's the center, but that wasn't the case tonight. Finch matched Vanderbilt on Aiton, and sure, would you like some more rebounding help or just help help from Cat? Yes, but at the same time, we shouldn't be looking at Aiton's box score and putting it on Cat. I mean, I think you could do that with Powell from the last game. That's who Cat was guarding. This one, it doesn't work. What I think you can hold Cat accountable for in the box score in this one is the foul column. Again, it was another five foul game for Towns, and it and it was foul trouble in this one that cost him minutes. At halftime, Cat only had two fouls. So didn't miss anything in the first half. But he picked up his third and fourth foul in the first six minutes of the third quarter. So he had to sit for the final six minutes of the third until he came back in to start the fourth quarter. But three minutes into the fourth, he picked up that fifth foul, which means he had to go back to the bench again. Now, in this game, Nas, Nas Reed actually had a good game filling in for Towns. But still, it's Nas, not Towns, when he's out there. So, I mean, you, you, you can't help but think of, you know, what would have it looked like if Cat was in for those minutes? I mean, when Cat had to sit down both of those times with foul trouble in the second half, the game was very much in the balance. The Wolves were up by seven when Cat picked up his fourth foul in the third quarter and he had to go to the bench. And they were still up one when Cat picked up that fifth foul in the fourth quarter and had to go to the bench. I bring this up to say, like, despite how great Cat's season has been in the aggregate, Cat's foul trouble has definitely cost the Wolves wins this season. It's hard to pin down, you know, exactly how many wins that would be, but I think it's fair tonight for sure to say that this game could have gone the other way if Cat wouldn't have picked up those fouls. He has 49 fouls, just since the All-Star break. That's the third most in the league in that time, which continues, of course, a season-long trend for this for the season. He's also third in the league in total fouls this season. And in addition to the five personal fouls, Cat also picked up a flagrant in this one and separately picked up a technical. He was asked about those te technicals specifically after the game because Cat is now two technicals away from a one-game suspension. Here's Cat. Probably up to, I think, 14 techs now, and so two more as a suspension. Is that something you have to be mindful of as you come down the stretch here? 
Yeah. Uh, they uh, rescinded mine from uh, Miami, but didn't rescind mine from the Spurs. Very awkward situation, that is. So, got to watch out for it, you know. Not going to back down from nobody. So, you know, I got to just maybe call KG, see how he avoided some technicals or something. And then uh, you talked about not very good basketball in the second half. It's been a long time since you guys haven't played good basketball, I guess. So does it almost, like, that's going to happen here in the season, but does it almost catch you off guard when it's kind of the first stretch of that for quite some time here? I mean, it's only two games. Um, I don't want to get too deep into the two games, you know. We played two really good opponents. I thought we played really well. I thought, you know, for the way we're talking, we're acting like we got blown out by 30 both games, you know. They were two down-to-the-wire games that – you know, usually we find a way to win. We find a way to get those stops. We find a way to get that bucket, you know, and these last two, we just haven't found it. You know, I don't, I don't think we're shooting particularly well um, around the court. So, you know, you fix up a little thing, make some more shots. It puts a, a little different pressure on the defense to make shots. I feel, you know, when we started missing shots, they started hitting shots. They got really comfortable with the momentum of how the game was being played out. So um, we just got to do, uh, just got to do a better job all around. Uh, play better basketball um we got a good stretch right here to really make some ground and also work on us for the playoffs so it's an important time um obviously next game is a playoff magnitude so um can't discredit that but I know we're all going to talk about the next game but you know after that game we got just as important games every game coming up so um I just don't want to lose you know I don't want the fan base and I don't want you know you guys or anything I think I don't want us to overlook how important, not the next game, but every game till till the last game is, you know. So um, we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. Um, I'm thinking about a lot of the things. We got a lot of things to work out and talk out. So we'll get that done. I do think it's very fair for Kat there at the end to bring up the fact that both of these losses were against very good teams and that at the same time, they were close games. I think he's right in saying it feels like we're talking about a 30-point loss right now. It feels in the first... 17 minutes of this podcast it feels like i've been talking here like it is a 30-point loss it wasn't neither loss was bad and both dallas and phoenix are very good teams in my opinion it's it's very okay to put the panic button back in the box and at the same time even be proud of some things from those losses one of those things tonight to be encouraged by i thought was jared vanderbilt so we're going to make vanderbilt tonight's forgotten star of the game presented by Forgotten Star Brewery. Uh, Vando looked like himself tonight, I thought, for the first time in a long time. He had 12 points, 12 rebounds. Vando had only scored more than 12 points once in the previous 20 games, and it only had more than 12 rebounds once in the previous 20 games. When Vando isn't doing that, right? Like the, the problems he brings offensively are significant. But at the same time, when he is doing this, when he's grabbing offensive rebounds and playing actively on defense, you take kind of take those spacing issues in, in stride and just sort of deal with them. I think it would be very meaningful for this team to see Vando do that a few more times in the remaining games of the regular season because then, right, you enter the playoffs confident <clears throat> that he's your best option at power forward, which I think has become sort of an open question over the past month. And I also think it's valuable to get one last extended look at healthy Vando here next to Cat, so as to be able to decide if he is a le legitimate option for starting power forward next season. And I mean, I'm pretty firmly in the camp that they need to address 
the front court this summer, either adding a power forward or a center, sliding cat to the floor. Not not getting rid of Vando, but you know, moving him into like the backup big position. But at the same side, I I see or at the same time I see the intrigue of the other side. Right, if Vando can be a legitimate starting option, he's a great value as a starter at four million a year, and that matters. Like obviously. I think we can all agree that someone like Miles Turner would be an upgrade over Vando in the starting lineup. But we also have to acknowledge that players like Turner make, you know, like 15 to 20 million a year, maybe more. And that's a big jump from 4 million, not to mention the fact that you would need to trade draft picks and an expensive player already on your roster to acquire someone like Turner. The intrigue of Vando at the four long term is that you already have him, right? No more cap space or draft picks need to be used to keep starting Vando. There's almost no cost at all. Whereas trading for Miles Turner is probably going to cost you Malik Beasley and multiple draft picks. You don't want to part with either of those things if you can manage not to. Which again is just to say it's encouraging to see Vando starting to come around. They need him for this season for the playoff push and they might really need him next year as well. They got that from Vando tonight, so that's why he is tonight's forgotten star of the game. And another reminder to those of you planning on attending our Wolves watch party on March 27th, this Sunday, myself and Britt Robson will be at Forgotten Star Brewery in Fridley to host that Wolves watch party. A few people have reached out with questions about the event. One common question is about tickets. There are no tickets. It's a free event. Beer isn't free, but the idea of the event is simply to gather those of you who listen to this show get together watch a wolves game i'm looking forward to it i guess i could have picked an easier opponent boston boston that game will be no joke but that should make it you know a good game too so again this sunday at forgotten star brewery it's a 5 p.m tip off plan accordingly there will be brick oven pizza food truck there so don't worry about food but do note that the game is a 5 p.m central time start that night Britt and i will be getting there at four so I do hope to see a lot of you there. And speaking of Brit, the two of us will be recording Thursday afternoon. So look for that episode in your feed Thursday evening. I know Brit is writing his Thursday column about Edwards. So that should, should make for an interesting conversation amongst a few other topics I want to hit on with Brit. But before we get there, let's wrap this episode with prize picks. I made four picks tonight, continued my losing streak. I went one in three. The one pick I got correct was was on D'Angelo Russell, who didn't have a very good game, but he did have seven assists. I took the over on six assists, so we got that one. The three I missed were all Suns picks, so they don't even count. Uh, I, uh, I I took the under on 17.5 points for DeAndre Ayton. I think he almost got that in the first quarter alone, missed that one badly. Ayton finished with 35 points. I also took the under on 7.5 assists for Cameron Payne, but Payne kind of Continued his Chris Paul impersonation starting for the Suns. Payne finished with nine assists tonight. He has 104 assists in his last 11 games. I also took the over on 17.5 points plus rebounds plus assists for Jay Crowder tonight. And he ended up being the only Suns player who really struggled in this one. Crowder finished with just five points, four boards, and two assists. So that was one and three on the night, bringing me to 153. 139 and 10 on the season officially in danger of spoiling my 500 season uh we'll get back right 
Uh, as always, if you're looking for a place to try out some daily fantasy basketball, I recommend prize picks, individual player props for every NBA game and really every sport. So something to try out if you have the daily fantasy itch. If you do create a prize picks account, make sure to sign up using the promo code Dane. That promo code gets you $100 when you sign up in your account and also lets prize picks know that you came from me. All right, tonight's loss does bring the Wolves down to two games behind the Nuggets in the loss column for the sixth seed. Denver did not play tonight. The gap for the five seed is widening. It's now four games in the loss column behind Dallas, who won on Wednesday night in Detroit. You know, that that four-game gap with just eight games left in the season, you know, that does kind of make this the five seed over Dallas a bit of a pipe dream at this point. But that doesn't take away from the importance of, of the Wolves matchup against Dallas on Friday. I mean, beating Dallas at home will go a long way in staying competitive for that six seed with Denver. But also, like, a point of focus has to be just getting back on track. Like, yes, the seeding stuff is important, but more important than that is just kind of getting right before the playoff push. Like, yes, the schedule is tough here going forward. But in a way, like, I think that can work in the Wolves' favor if they can get a win. You know, beat Dallas on Friday... And I think tonight's loss stings a little less. Beat Dallas on Friday and beat Boston on Sunday. Now, now you're more than on track. These two losses, you win those two games, these two losses early this week will fade away pretty quickly. It's just, it's get right time for this Wolves team. We knew this stretch would be tough, but if the Wolves are who they believe they are, they will bounce back and get back to, to taking care of business like they were before. Even if that business is a taller task, against the likes of Dallas and Boston. I'm I'm very excited to see where this next what this next chapter holds. I'm excited to talk to Britt tomorrow about it as well. That's next up on the schedule. And then I will be back to talk to you after Friday night's game as well. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out.